1: Listening and with the right intent on his part, the right spirit to receive a message from you. What what would you want him to know about you and how that relationship formed who you are? Good or bad and different?
2: Hmm. That's a great question. <laughs> no, <podcast>. Right, right. <laughs> um, what well, I want him to know, um, that you hurt me. It hurt my feelings that you weren't there. Yeah. Uh, physically, um, not even talking about financial, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, because now that I look back on it, I feel like, and I'm not a hundred percent blaming him, but I feel like I've held my guard up for so long.
1: Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now... Here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. All righty. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is typically a safe space where men have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. I have a wonderful guest on the show because that's all I do. And I think the story is really going to connect. I want you guys to welcome Cleo Childress to the Dear Son Podcast. How are you, my sister?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to dig in on this topic.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of course, we talk about fatherhood here, but uh, we got connected through the podcasting space. I always Mm -hmm. want to make sure my guests have an opportunity to highlight their podcast as well. You have one that focuses on financial freedom. So tell the audience a a little bit about that. We'll recap at the end as well. But let them know your podcast passion.
2: Yes, so my podcast is Financially Free with Cleo. So it's basically a show to help you live financially free in your own way. You know, we all have different interests, different lifestyles, and financial freedom means different things to different people. And there's just no one way to do it. And I think sometimes people can overcomplicate things. So I just teach people how to have those conversations because that's where it starts. We got to talk about this stuff, you know, not just the good money stories, but you got to talk about the stuff that doesn't feel as good, yeah. and that's how we grow.
1: Absolutely. how did you get into podcasting, and why was that such an important topic for you to address and really dig into?
2: Well, it started from my own personal journey, which was not so great, okay. you know, when I was a, you know, young kid, I didn't really learn about money growing up, meaning I didn't have like friends or I didn't have, you know, family members or teachers or anybody that was talking about money. So I didn't really get introduced to it until I was in college. But that's when I got a whole lot of debt, starting mm. with student loans. So just like over my journey going into like student loan debt and the payday loans and Heavy Ooh, credit you card down
1: debt. My, my wife. My wife here. <laughs> Oh my Heavy problem.
2: credit card debt. You know, you know, getting cars repossessed. You know, I've been evicted before, Oof. and just having my wage garnished, and it was just not a good feeling. Yeah. But it was a space that I didn't want to stay in because I had a daughter. I have a daughter. Yeah. And I just knew she's looking up to me. You know, we right. can tell our kids to do this and that, but if we're not living it how will they really follow? Ooh. So I was like, you know what, I got to really make a, a change. And just over the years, as i progressed and made financial changes in my life and learned from my lessons from the past, yeah. I just started talking about it on social media and just, you know, a little post here and there on Facebook or Instagram. But when people would you know, DM me or text me if they had my number, they were like, Cleo, I'm glad you wrote that. Cause I started out writing blogs. Okay. Okay. And um, you know, people that were on my email list that I either knew or just uh, knew from like growing up or people that didn't know me personally. And when I would get messages to say, oh this really helped me, I'm going through this right now, or I've been through this. I wish I would have read this, you know, years ago, then I said, I guess somebody is out there the people want relating it. to yeah. it or or you know some it's helping someone. That's yeah. what my goal was. So once I started, you know, posting about it and then talking about it more, I remember people mentioning you should have, you know, a podcast. But I really wasn't understanding what podcasting is. I just knew I like to talk about it. Yeah. And I just started going live, like on Facebook and Instagram, like a few years ago. This was back in maybe like 2017, 18. Okay. I just started going live a few times. And I was so nervous because I was like, You know, I'm like, okay, is people gonna be listening in? You know, and when you first go on live, you don't really have that many people watching. And I'm like, the people that are on there, they were tuned in, was asking me questions and giving me feedback on it. So I just knew that this is a topic that, of course, we all talk about money, but I felt like, this should be something I'm doing more consistently, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And not just to help other people, but to help myself. Cause it felt therapeutic to just get certain things out because that was the first time I started talking about it publicly. Yeah. You know, usually I have like a couple friends I tell stuff to, but being able to share with people, I've been evicted before and I was homeless.
1: Okay. All right. Let's let's uh <laughs> let's back up in the story and yeah. we'll get to all of the sharing and the transparency. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, we 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 met through the podcast space. The specific re- the moment that I DM'd you about coming on the show is when you started posting, you did that post about uh where the words were telling your story.
0: Mm-hmm. Team
1: mom, um, this happened, that happened. I was yeah. like,
0: whoa, 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 whoa,
1: let's see what her story is. So let's 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 back up to um your childhood memories, the your family dynamic. You're from Tennessee, correct? Yes. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Can we still say Cashville? Is that no, no, no. Did y'all <laughs> never say that or was it just people outside of Nashville?
2: We said it too. Okay. Yeah, people okay. said Cashville okay. or you know, Nash Vegas. you know, Na- all this stuff. Really? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so people still say Cashville. It's so many different names out there. So. Okay.
1: Let's talk <laughs> about Calfield, where, yeah, and like, what specific area did you grow up in and kind of paint the picture of like what your environment was like.
2: Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised, and I grew up in Edge Hill. That's where my mom's side of the family is from, okay. Edge Hill, which is some projects okay. in Nashville, in the inner city, and that's where I really got my start, you know, learning about lower-income neighborhoods, because that's where I was living. Yeah. But back then, even though my mom didn't have a lot of money, it was a single-parent home. Like, my mom and dad were married, but they broke up, got divorced when I was really, really young. Okay. Maybe three or five, I can't really remember. But um, I'm used to a single mom, single-parent home with me and my older sister. She's two years older than me. Okay. Um. So that's where I grew up. And I just remember not having a lot of money now, thinking about it. But back then, I didn't understand. You know, my mom made it feel like we weren't struggling and yeah. you know, poor, didn't have a lot of money because she always made sure we had food, right. clothes, even extra things that we wanted. She figured out a way to get most of the stuff. Like, I can remember living in Edge Hill in the projects, in the window, eating, you know, like, you know, regular like elbow pasta macaroni, but it was just butter on it, like buttered pasta. And at that time, this was good to me, you know? I didn't think it was like, you know... I guess a struggle meal people right. would call it, but it's just things like that that would happen. It's like now I look back on it, and I was like, I see how my mama struggled to make ends meet. Yeah. But back then, it wasn't always. I didn't always understand that it was struggling. Got it.
1: So projects, we understand what projects are to a degree. Kind of describe what what your immediate environment was like when you stepped outside of your house. What were the the challenges or the influences that you had to you had to battle with?
2: Yeah. So. Living in that type of environment, it's always something going on. Yeah, somebody over there fighting, somebody arguing all the time, day and night. People getting shot, getting killed. Yeah. You know, it's people you know getting their cars stolen or stripped. So it's like a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I remember, and my mom till this day still like to share the story. So like there was one day, me and my sister, and my mom was just coming out the house. Don't even remember where we were going, but this was late at night and all I remember was the police was telling us to stop and get your hands up. Mm. And I'm probably maybe 6 or 7. Wow. You know, I wasn't understanding about you know when the police tell you to do something, do it. You know, I don't do anything, my mom doesn't do anything. Even though we live in an environment, I was never in any trouble. So I, my first thought was, well why do I have to put my hands up? Gotcha. You know, we didn't do anything. We we're just gonna go maybe to the store or something, but they had guns drawn on us, and my mom kept telling me to shut up, yeah. shut up, Cleo. Yeah. And I was like, well, we didn't do anything. I kept trying to explain them, but we didn't do anything. What's going? It was like, it's not us, you know. We didn't do anything. That's all I kept saying. And I just have this mental picture of the guns drawn on us, and just thinking about stuff that happens today. And I look back on that moment. Mm. I think, what if I kept talking? Well, I did keep talking. I had a problem with talking back then. Okay. Um. I wouldn't shut up because I kept saying, well, we didn't do anything. And my mom kept saying, shut up, Cleo. Yeah. Stop talking. And they eventually, you know, stopped that and moved on somewhere else. But it's just things like that that I didn't think traumatized me, you know?
0: Yeah. And I look
2: back on and I'm like, it's just things like that I didn't think bothered me then. Right. That still, you know, bothered me like later on in my childhood and adulthood. So there were fun times, but then there were times like that where it's like, it mentally messes with you.
1: Yeah. Did you ever find out what that situation stemmed from, or, I mean, that memory is enough. That what's burned into your your spirit right there is enough. But was there ever any, like, this is why it happened?
2: I didn't find out because it just happened so often. It was wow. always the police up and down everywhere, wow. to the point where I wish I would have followed up and figured out what happened. Yeah. But you saw the police all the time. Somebody getting pulled over. Somebody getting. The guns drawn on them, and it's like it happens so often. I just was like, oh, it's like another day. Yeah. So it's not like at that time I wanted to find out. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I really wonder who they was looking for right. and why they thought a mom with two little girls was the ones that did it. Like I was just confused. Now I'm trying to like piece things together. But back then I was just like, well, we didn't do anything. Right. You know, I, I didn't know to be quiet. Right.
1: So you mentioned that um, your parents were married at one point and they separated. Did what memories do you have of of them being together, or your dad? Was your dad around after they separated?
2: No, okay. so like I I have lots of pictures, like um, not necessarily with him, but just when I was younger. So it's like I know we were living in a household together. Mm-hmm but i don't have as much mental pictures as my older sister does so i can just only go on like certain stories that people tell me um i have a few mental pictures but i know i was really young maybe 3 to 5 that we were actually in a household together wow. but then after that after they broke up and you know got divorced he wasn't there okay. and i don't think i really started to wonder why until probably when i was like in middle school yeah. cuz you know as a young girl you have like I was always in sports and dance and things like that. So it does feel a little way when you see other friends and their fathers are bringing flowers to the dance recital or they're showing up to the games yeah. or they're talking to their father often. And it's like, you, as you get older as a young girl, you do start to wonder like, well, where's my father at? Right. Yeah, I know we're not in the same household, but I have other friends who their father's not in the household, but their father is still showing up. Where is mine? So no, he wasn't there afterwards. Like I still, of course, knew who he was. And um, he's, you know, from Nashville too, but I know he had later moved to Georgia. But I feel like I really struggled with it when I got, you know, older, like as a teenager.
1: Yeah. How did how did that um how did that relationship or the lack thereof affect how you saw and interacted with boys? older boys, young men throughout your life, do you are you conscious of how it kind of shaped those interactions or?
2: I, I used to be in denial mm-hmm. about it, um, but now I'm aware of okay. how it affects it. So like when I was 17 and I did find out I was pregnant, mm-hmm. I told my father, I remember being at home, you know, talking to him over the phone cause that time he was in Georgia. And all I thought was, I was just looking for some support, you yeah. know? Um, the good thing is that my mom was supportive. People okay. at school, even though I was terrified for everybody to find out, people were actually really supportive. Okay, No one really, like, you know, attacked me, criticized me until I told my father. Yeah. Remind you, this is to someone who, yes, he's my father, but you're not in the picture. You're not around. So when I told him, the first thing that he did was attack me, like, verbally. Like, meaning... Why are you having sex with no condoms? Why are you even having sex? You know, Why are you getting pregnant at a young age? And it's like, why are you this? Why are you that? And I'm just like, I started crying. I just started crying because I was just like, I called to tell you, most parents wouldn't want their teen to be a a parent at a young age, but it's like, I don't need to hear this right now. You can give me a lecture. Maybe later, but right now I wasn't trying to get that from you, and I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have expected anything different. I don't know.
1: So that's what I want to. I want. I want to interject because I wanted to. I want to understand why you had an expectation of that. goal. so were you having regular conversations with your father, even though he was in Georgia? Were there previous things that where you needed his advice or you needed that fatherly? shoulder to lean on where, where you went to him and, and it was there, like what what was, from, from when he moved to Georgia to this period, what was that interaction like that that maybe gave you some hope that <clears throat> maybe he wants to understand what I'm going through and he'll be there to help me through this process?
2: Yeah, so no conversations, mm. no communication, no support. So there was no relationship there. Okay. So, like, I know my sis- my older sister, and I have other siblings on my father's side, a lot of them. Um, some of- Most of them are more closer to him. And I know they would tell me and say, hey, Cleo, you should, you know, make an effort to try to build a relationship with them. And he probably doesn't, you know, reach out because he probably don't think you want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, when that happened, I was like, well, maybe this could be the time I gotcha. try to make a, a effort to... For One, share something new that's going on, right. but maybe to also build the relationship because now I have now he's gonna have another grandchild coming, right? Right, right. So, I was so that was the reason for me wanting to tell him, gotcha. Um, those reasons and plus maybe some extra support, sure. you know. Um, so I kind of feel like, well, Cleo, what did you really expect? Right. Um, but at the same time, I was just still crushed because I felt like, well, maybe he'll, um, I mean, not be the father that I feel like I, you know, desired, but at least support in some type of way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about money or anything like that. I'm just talking about, like, just checking in, just saying, maybe give me some encouraging words. Right. That could have been enough at the moment. Um, but it definitely wasn't where well, we had a close relationship. But after, you know, my mom saw I was crying, she just snatched the phone, cussed him out, and yeah. that was the end of that. And I didn't talk to him, you know, this is like December of my senior year of high school. Okay, So I'm still in school, I didn't quit or anything like that. So my graduation comes for high school. He reaches out to me and was like, just want to see how you were doing. I send me an invitation to the graduation. I want to come, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, maybe he's making an effort to try to be in my life more. Right. And you know, eventually be there for the new grandchild. Sent him an invitation. He didn't come, so I was just like, I wasn't really sad. It bothered me a little bit, but yeah. it was like, uh, I wasn't really a hundred percent depending on you to be there. Yeah. And then the same thing happened, and I didn't talk to him, you know, uh, since then. But then it came to where I graduated from college because I went straight from high school to college. So around the time when I was going to graduate college, he reached out to me asked me for pictures of my daughter, said send me a, you know, invitation to your graduation. I want to come and support. He didn't come. So at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm definitely not going to reach out. Yeah. And if you reach out to me, I'm probably not going to respond or answer. Right. And I know some people's like, Cleo, no, you shouldn't do that. Shouldn't hold a grudge. But I didn't feel like I was holding a grudge. I was just kind of exhausted to yeah. try to I don't want to I want you to come and to, and to me like reach out to me. And say, "Hey, I want to come." Like I just rather you not just say anything. Like if you don't want to come, it's cool. You know, it's okay. I will get over it if I'm hurt about it. But it's just the point of him reaching out, saying he's going to come and not showing up. I was just done after that.
1: So your your um your expanded family, the other children that he had, were you still in contact with them after you had the child and up through that point of graduation?
2: Um, with the other kids. Yeah. So it's. I think I'm probably like somewhere in the middle. So it's about like 16 of us on my father's side. Oh. (laughs) Yes. It's like 16 and And counting. I think the youngest- He was
1: asking her why, about why sex was happening. (laughs) Right. Okay. Carry on. Exactly.
2: (laughs) My mom said the exact same thing. Like, how are you going to do that? And you were like 15 having kids. Oof. So, um, yeah. So I'm like in the middle range. So I think the youngest is like two or three. And the oldest are like, maybe late 40s, wow. I believe. The, the
1: reason I was asking is I, I wanted to understand if um, if they had any information about why he gets these urges to contact you, like if people putting pressure on him? Was he in another marriage and he feeling some kind of way? I was just wondering if you had any insight, any insight on that?
2: I think now, I don't know if this is what it is, because I don't have conversations with him to mm-hmm. see how he's feeling or whatever. But I've had certain family members say that he may be proud of me of how I turned out. You know, yes, I was a single mom, but, and yes, I had some struggles, but I guess maybe compared to, and I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. Yeah. He's just, some people have said that he probably looks up to you in a way, or maybe he's proud of you. And because, like, when I post certain things, He'll share them like we're friends on Facebook. He'll he'll. So my mom will say, "Oh, now you want to share stuff, (laughs) you know?" And it's like even back then, you know. Yes, I was, you know, teen mom, but I still finished high school. Still went straight to college, you know. And I still, you know, worked and continued to provide for my daughter, even though I was struggling. I still wasn't just out here looking crazy, you know, being a trifling mother. Like I was making things happen the best way I could. Every year of my life, and I think he would see certain posts mm-hmm. and see me doing well, and maybe he feels like I don't know that he's kind of missing out. That's what other family members would right. mention to me. Is like, okay, maybe he see you doing well and feels like, oh, he it wasn't because of him, you know?
1: Embarrassed. That's what I was gonna say. I don't know if it's yeah, I don't. I'm, just, I'm I'm getting the story with you guys at the same time, so I, I don't have any <laughs> further insight on that, but I can imagine as a man if you've shirked your responsibilities and you see that the situation still turned out well or better than it would have, have you been involved, it's uh it can be a little bit embarrassing. It makes you look at yourself and wonder, you know, take kind of an inventory. And if he has so many other kids, it probably, you know, he's probably dealing with a lot of, you know, some some of the decisions that he's made and how it's impacting so many people.
2: Oh, yeah, because I remember the first time I relocated. So, of course, born born and raised in Nashville, lived all my life. But the first time I relocated was back in 2013, and I moved to Miami, Florida. And, of course, I posted about it, just saying, hey, I'm moving, I'm relocating, I'm moving to Miami. And, you know, I got a job there, and I moved. Mm -hmm. And, like, after a week of me being there, he called me. And I was, and at that point I hadn't talked to him in some years, and I was just like, I didn't even have the number saved, you know. So I was just like, new phone, who this? Yeah. <laughs> so he was asking me how I was doing, but in my mind, I just didn't feel like it was genuine. Yeah. So I couldn't, re- and I'm not trying to fake. So I was, and not that I was being rude, I just was like, who sent you? What you want? That's right. what that's what I had in my mind but I felt like it wasn't genuine because it's not like it was a random day and you called the check on me. Yeah. You saw I posted that I moved to Miami. And when good. people say they moved to Miami, you think, oh, they must be doing well. You're they doing moved good. to Miami. So I kind of felt like maybe you just being nosy. I don't know. So I kind of got tired of the, I just kind of had a flashback of, you reached out when I graduated college. Yeah. You reached out when I graduated high school. You didn't show up. I wasn't even looking for anything I just wanted like I wasn't trying to look for a gift or money. I just wanted you to like show up like you reached out to me and said you wanted to show up. So when he reached out to me when I relocated, he was just saying, How you doing? I saw you moved and just a little small talk. But after I got off the phone, I was just like, I I just didn't feel anything really. And then like even a couple of years after that, he had messaged me on Facebook and Messenger, and he was like, Hey, you know it's around my birthday. He was like, "Hey, my birthday's in April," so he was like, "Hey, you know, I know your birthday's coming up. I'm gonna get you a gift this time." LOL. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking I don't destiny. see what's funny, <laughs> yeah. but I don't need a gift, yeah. and it's like I'm an adult. Like a gift is not what I need, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yes, some of my other brothers and sisters can just be okay with just getting gifts or some money. But I'm like, that doesn't um, make me excited. You say you're going to give me a gift. Yeah, You didn't give me a gift when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> you know, so I just kind of felt... And, and I definitely know that affected the way I handle relationships, whether if it's mm-hmm. romantic or with friendships. I have the guard up. Yeah. I had it up for a long, long time. And it's not as thick and as high as it used to be, but it's still there yeah. because... Of that, and I used to be. In, when I said I used to be in denial, it's because I didn't think what how he treated me affected me until, yeah. like, I went to see a therapist, and she's like, "Well, it it is."
1: Some unpacking, yeah. Too. And this, just for the disclaimer, this is not therapy. If anybody got that confused, this is <laughs> this is in no way, shape, or form therapy. But let's let's dig into um, how it impacted your ability to relate communicate, trust uh, men or young men. Um, You mentioned that you were pregnant at 17. Can you talk about that relationship? Was there a relationship um, with your child's father?
2: Yeah, so when I was in high school, so he was, I guess you can say it was like, high school sweetheart type thing. So it was someone that I had talked to off and on, like through high school. And of course, you know, my senior of high school, That's when I get pregnant. So everything was cool. The type of person he was, he was respectable. Mm -hmm. You know, he had like a part-time job working at Kroger's. Like he was someone I thought was going to be like a respectable man one day, you know. And then I remember after I had my daughter, like things, you know, he, after high school, he went to, he joined the Marines, went to the military, went to Iraq for two years Mm -hmm. and came back was a totally different person. Yep. And I had family members that were in the military and all of them came back and had lots of problems yes. uh, having to take you know medication mm-hmm. or staying in certain uh, VA medical facilities mm-hmm. and things like that. So I know when you come back, you do need to get some type of counseling and therapy to get used to civilian life. Mm-hmm. and he tried but he stopped going okay. and that's when all the problems started. So I just knew I couldn't stay there. And when I say problems, I'm meaning the constant arguing. So for me, once he came back, he had a lot of money in his account and all he wanted to do was just go party and that's it. Right. And then it came to an issue where he wasn't financially doing his part. It would be simple things like paying for daycare. Back then, it wasn't as expensive as it is now, right. uh, because I had a lower income, so I was able to get some assistance, like government assistance, to pay for daycare, um, paying for food. But I still had to have a lot of out of out of pocket expenses, and he and that seemed to not be a priority. And I just knew, like, I can't have a romantic relationship and this child. I'm not getting help with the child. It just didn't make sense to me. Some right. people deal with that. That's like a deal breaker. Like, how am I in a relationship? And I feel like a single parent. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. But then it turned into like constant arguing, stalking, um, physically, wow. you know, you know, altercations, you know, and like one time I was at home and him and one of his friends came over, tried to get in my place. I didn't open the door, but he took my hubcaps off my car and set them on top <laughs> of my roof of the hood of my car. And I'm just like, Pettyville. Little, little things like that. With him being in the military, he had weapons. So there would be times I would go out and I would come home, and he would be sitting outside of my place with like a shotgun sticking outside of the door. And my and my friend was like,
1: "You trying to enter your?"
2: Well, I would pull up to park to go in, but when I would see him already waiting outside, and when he would see me pull up, he had that gun stuck out. And it's like, and of course this is late at night; nobody's really outside at the moment. So I guess he assumes nobody's probably really seeing this. But I would usually be riding with friends and they're like, nope, you stand in my place. You're not staying here. Yeah. So there's a lot of times where I look back on it and I'm like, they could have turned into some really bad situations, yeah. you know? But thank God it didn't. But it was just things like that that was mentally draining. And you know, when you're young, you think, this is what I was always told. Oh, he he's just still dealing with the military stuff and oh he didn't have his father around. And that's what his mom would say. Oh, he didn't have his father. Mm. I get it. But there's lots of people who didn't have their father. Yeah. But they're not disrespecting women or not be- taking care of their responsibilities. And I know people can change, but everyone has a limit. So yeah. I had reached my limit, and it was just constant situations. Like, for example, there was a time when my daughter had, a, you know, dance practice. They had take dance pictures. Mm-hmm. His mom called me and said, hey, can you bring her over? I was like, well, sure, yeah. after dance class. So I pulled up at their house, and at this time, he was... Um, um, he was living with his mom. So, it's a house where his his mother and him was living in the house. I pull up. I see his mom' car was gone, but I saw the door open. So, I was like, well, maybe she's gone, but he's there. So, I was like, let me just go in there and drop her off. So, I go inside, and I was changing my daughter's costume to put on some regular clothes. He comes out the shower and just goes off. What are you doing in here? Like, cursing. Mm-hmm. Later, I realized he was definitely on something. But... I'm thinking, y'all called me to right. bring my daughter here, you know? And it turned into my daughter starts screaming and crying. He pushes me. Clearly, he's stronger than me. So he pushes me out of the house, throws my phone. It's raining outside. Now I hear my daughter in there screaming, crying. And now I'm stuck outside. So I end up having to call the police. Wow. His mom ended up coming back. She got upset that I called the police. She said, "You should have just waited. Y'all always argue, and things are fine." And I'm just like, "This, this is a problem."
1: Yeah, I mean, it's generational. Clearly, for him, did what did you see early in life? Did you see your, your, did your mom or anybody in your family deal with these kind of situations, and how did they, how did they manage it? I, you did mention that, you know, it's kind of. This is what he's going through. He'll get better. It'll get better. But were you up close and personal with those situations? Where
2: With my father, I was too young. to. I heard about certain stories, mm-hmm. but with my mom and dad, I didn't really see uh, the altercations. I know they had them, yeah. but I just only heard about it from other family members. Um, so I didn't get to see that, but I know... It wasn't a great relationship. Yeah. Um, even going back to when I was younger, like it's just be certain things I would find out. Like, for example, I have someone who I grew up knowing it was my cousin. But then as I got older, I learned that he was my brother. Wow. And I was and I was just like, okay, you're my cousin, because my mom and your mom are sisters. And then when I realized he's my brother because we have the same father, I was like confused. Like,
1: <laughs> Wait a minute.
2: I was like, because no one really just told me, but I started to like piece it together and I had to, I went to my mom, I was like.
1: Wait, wait hold, <laughs> on. So, hold on. So now, now I'm confused. Yeah. Ignorant question. Were, were, were both things true or were you just being told he was your cousin, but he was actually a brother? Was he actually brother cousin for real?
2: Yes. And I was like, I always grew up knowing that he was my cousin because we used yeah. to stay at my grandmama's house and I knew my mom my mom and his mom were sisters. But then when I realized we had the same father, I was like, wait a minute. Wow. Um, I was like, is he my brother first yeah. or is he my cousin first? But then I also was like, well, what was y'all doing back then? Yeah. Like, what was going on? And I know that's not a child's place to ask those questions. Oh. I, I didn't ask those, but in my mind I was thinking, w- w- what was going on? But yeah. as I got an adult you know, then I would like <laughs> talk to my mom about it. And I was just like, that that just kind of made me feel a certain way towards him. But then also with my mom and my aunt, I'm just like, I mean, they're grown, do whatever. Right. I'm not judging. But I, at the time I was just like, my father was criticizing me and he has like this long long yeah. laundry list of stuff that he yeah. had going on. So it kind of made me feel like, should I even try to work this relationship out? Because it seems like he has a whole lot going on, but wants me to be perfect.
1: Was there... um Were there any male figures in your life where you had an expectation of them and they lived up to the expectation?
2: I can't really count any. No. Um... It hurt me for a long time, but I didn't have it because I'm like, I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why I've been single more than I've been in a relationship, because mm. I feel like if I avoid it, I won't be hurt. Right. But then like, and not just with romantic relationships, but even with friendships right. too, I, I still get a little guarded with that too, you know, not getting too close to, to men, Yeah. but I don't. I don't feel that's healthy because you could miss out on great friendships yeah. or relationships because you're guarded from things from the past. So yeah. I had to realize I probably missed, not probably, I know I missed out on some good potential relationships because my guard was up. Mm-hmm. And if someone's trying to get close to you, well, for example, on the romantic side, they're not going to keep trying forever, Correct. you know? Um, so yeah, I know that... The, I, I know that definitely plays a role in my relationships from the past. And even present day, I've gotten a lot better. (laughs) But I feel like part of me is probably still traumatized by being let down, whether it's an uncle or my father or my daughter's father. Um, It does make me feel a little sad that I don't have good examples. Because now that my daughter's 18, (sighs) I struggle with, I don't want her to experience what I experience. Yeah. And I know I can't, you know, protect her from everything. And I don't want to. I want her to learn because sometimes you don't get things until you go through it yourself. Yeah. But I just pray and I always hope that she can at least have some positive male role models in her life. Now I have friends I went to school with mm-hmm. that has been really cool where they would, you know give my daughter some advice, you know, because I can tell her stuff, but it's different coming from a man. So thankfully, I've had, you know, some friends that are males that have said, you know, y'all, you know, she can ask me questions, talk to me, and it's been, and that's been great. But for me, it it does feel, I don't know if empty is the right word, but even today, I still feel like I wish I had, like, some... For real, positive male role models yeah. that I know genuinely, um, you know, care about me.
1: So you use the word um, traumatized, yeah. Which I it, it's not for me to agree or disagree, but I, I agree that that's the right word. But as you were talking, what popped in my head that I have to be more mindful of is, I wonder if she was bitter, right? Mm. And I'm not asking if you were, but do you ever feel or find that that's projected on you? because of your lack of, um, because of that guard, right? And, and it's not the lack of intimacy and not not in the physical or sexual sense, but just being able to get close to a person. Have you been kind of typecast as bitter That's at any bitter.
2: point? Um, I think bitter may be a, there's been times where I, I've asked myself, am I bitter? Mm. Or am I holding a grudge against people? Yeah. Um, because you know now that I'm I'm more vocal to talk about stuff now but at one point I would just stop communication with people and I just wouldn't talk about anything yeah. and so sometimes people wouldn't even know I felt a certain way and I know sometimes people say, well sometimes people do things and they don't even know it bothers you so I was like clearly you can't assume they know how you're feeling things like that but I just, Sometimes I do feel like I've, I've been bitter in the past, yeah. right? Present day, I don't feel like I'm bitter, but in the past, when I look back on it, like thinking about my feelings and emotions at the time, I probably had some, some bitterness there, and yeah. I know that's not healthy yeah. either.
1: Did, did any of that, um, do you see signs of any of that in your daughter? I'm sure you're a fantastic mother. <laughs> I am, I am no doubt in my mind, in that in some of that emptiness or that longing that you may still have how have you managed conversations with her to ensure that she doesn't own your experience she needs to understand it but she mm-hmm. doesn't own it and internalize it and miss out on those opportunities like like you were talking about
2: yeah so i know with her father i've had lots of conversations with her like i know when she was younger I really wouldn't say too much. because, Mm. But, you know, with little kids, they don't really understand certain things. But now that she's 18, now she's gotten older, I had to explain certain... Because I know she will wonder, well, why... um, It's kind of like the same cycle with me. My daughter's always in some activities, and she has friends whose fathers show up. Mm. And, you know, she'll wonder, well, even though you all aren't together, she wonders why he's not showing up. And, of course, he'll, you know... It's like the and it, it hurts a little bit because it's like it's like the same cycle. It's like this person in high school. Yes, he was a child, but you would have you couldn't have paid me to believe he would turn out to be what he is now, right. not being a father like that. Right. But with her, I try to explain to her how we did try to co-parent. Okay. You know, it's not like he did one thing and I'm like I'm done. No, I tried multiple times. But mentally, it's it draining. Yeah. So I had to get to a point where I don't even communicate with him or his mother. She has a phone. She has a fo- She's had a phone since maybe 13. Right. So I always tell them, I never keep, you know, her away from them. I always say y'all can call her anytime. If you ever want to see her, you can see her anytime. Even though we're not in Nashville, I said she can always come there. Y'all, y'all can always come here. I just need to know the arrangements. Right. And of course they would always wait till we travel back to Nashville. They would never like bought her a plane ticket to come back. But she would always wonder, well is it, is it me? Is it is it something wrong yeah. with me? And I had to explain to her how I just didn't want her to feel that way. Because I said, I said, I've said i been there. My daughter's name is Destiny. I said, I've been there. I know how you feel. Like, she, Like I know how she feels, but she would never let him know. Yeah. Because she don't want to start any drama or have any confrontations. I know she's going to get there because she's starting to be more open. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not like 100% where she can express her feelings to him. Especially if it's if she's not feeling good about something. But I just feel like as a mom, I just want to make sure I, I let her know that you can come talk to me about anything. Right. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable coming to me, because sometimes you may not want to always go to a parent. You may want to talk to somebody else. Right. So I've given her resources to talk to counselors and therapists and and make sure she's selective with friends. Because, you know, I always talking to sometimes talking to a friend is great. And sometimes... It may not be great. Yeah. So I guess for me, I just try to make sure I have those conversations with her, like checking in with her, like asking her how she's doing and not her just saying, oh, everything's good? Like, right. no, if it's something not really good, just tell me. And I know she gets terrified to... Um, how can I say this? Sometimes she feels like I'm too hard on her. Mm. And I actually had one of my close friends says I need to chill out because one of my friends said... She was like, Cleo, you know, she didn't have to grow up fast like we did, because right. me and another friend, we had kids as a team, we had to grow up really fast. Right. And she was like, Cleo, she she's a good girl, you know, but she's like, she didn't have to learn fast and grow up quick like we did. So she's like, she's still doing good, but sometimes she's like, you may be a little too hard on her. Yeah. Sometimes I don't feel like I am, but sometimes i will be like, ooh, maybe I was demanding too much. But I guess that's the fear of me not wanting her like get pregnant early yeah. or not miss out on opportunities. Because even though I went to college, I didn't get to experience college like I wanted to. Right? Because I was I tried to be in activities. It just didn't work. It was just too much. And I knew I had to let go of the activities, you know, and just focus on work. Strictly go to campus for class and I leave. But my daughter... She can, she doesn't have to work and go to school. She doesn't want to. She doesn't have a child that she's taking care of. So I guess for me, I'm just like, I want her to have freedom that I didn't have at her age. But she looks at me and was like, yeah, you had a child early, but you're doing well in her eyes. I'm great, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't easy.
1: It's a double-edged sword. I mean, if you're successful, the model is if you can do it, I can do it too with all of your challenges, but you don't want your child to go through those. I haven't, you instantly went to situations as recently as last week with our 18 year old. It's a weird, a very weird place to be in the conversation with my wife that my, my challenge is, I don't have the woman's experience. I, don't, I can't understand what she's going through. Yeah. With the boys, their experiences aren't the same as mine, but I get manhood. I get what it is to be a boy. I get that through and through. You mentioned that you, you didn't always talk about things, or specifically this topic. What what changed? What unlocked that that willingness, or gave you the freedom to 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 tell your story, or to or discuss things, that own your history?
2: Um, not just like with like men, but just anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I felt like when I first started to like change my life. I started hearing other people's stories. Mm. You know, when I was living in Nashville, I was in this program that helped you become, you know, financially independent, like not having to depend on government assistance. And I would hear other people in the program share their stories about all kinds of stuff, whether they were on drugs or whether they were homeless or whether they were from from another state and just had different type of family issues. And I have issues, but I was like, wow, I'm not the only one... Have some issues and struggling with things. So it felt good to know other people had struggles and overcame them. And I kind of felt like I underestimated my stories for Mm. a long time because I'm like, well, I don't really have nothing special. You know, I don't really have anything unique. So I really wouldn't tell it because I was like, I I don't think it's a big deal. But once I would start talking to people, just with like random sidebar conversations, people would be like, wow, you should, you know, you should tell that story to Mm. more people. And I'm like, I should, you know? And I was like, yes, there's people that need to hear it, whether if it's someone else, like a young girl that is experiencing teen pregnancy, yeah. or maybe you have, you know, kids that was never introduced to to money at all, and they need to hear someone who was in their place and need to hear you speak. Um, So it just, I just want to start telling everybody and sharing it yeah. and not being embarrassed anymore because I was embarrassed and ashamed, and I just felt like, this terrible mom because I feel like I should have had it together. Or I should have known better. But once I started hearing other people's stories and they were in their forties, fifties, and even sixties, I'm like, why am I being so hard on myself? Right, you right, know, right. everybody has a, a journey and I just didn't want to hide it anymore. Yeah. So I wanted to get it out. And the first time I spoke, I went back to the program that I was in several years ago. I basically just reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, I want to come back to Nashville and just, share a piece of my story to some people that are currently in the program. They let me come back, and I started sharing. And the crazy part is, I started crying. (laughs) And you know sometimes when people say, you know, if you're crying, you're not really healed from it. But it's not like I was still sad. I just was happy to talk about it. And I cried because I was like, I remember how I felt. So it was like joyful tears for me at the moment. But... It was so funny because they invited me back to speak and they already had tissues waiting for me, like box of tissues, <laughs> just in case I started crying. But um, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I felt like I needed to get it out for myself, mm-hmm. but I felt like someone else could hear it and it could help someone else. Because yeah. I know that's what struck a nerve for me when I would hear other people talk about their experiences. Yeah.
1: If, um, if your father were listening and with the right intent on his part, the right spirit to receive a message from you, what, what would you want him to know about you and how that relationship formed who you are, good or bad and different?
2: Hmm. That's a great question.
1: <laughs> no, i podcast.
2: Right, right. <laughs> um, well, I want him to know um, that, you hurt me. It hurt my feelings that you weren't there. Yeah. Uh, physically. Um, not even talking about financial. Mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically. Because now that I look back on it, I feel like, and I'm not 100% blaming him, but I feel like I've held my guard up for so long. Mm-hmm. And I've been in denial about it. I was like, no, my father is not interfering with nothing that's going on in my life but once i started like learning more about myself and you know shifting my mindset about a lot of things i was like you know what cleo you gotta admit that it did hurt your feelings yeah so i want him to know that he hurt my feelings and even as an adult part of me is still hurt right and part of me is still struggling with being so hard on my own daughter because I want her to avoid men like my father. But at the same time, I struggle with, well, am I being too hard? Will I cause a problem with my daughter and how she sees men? I don't tell her that all men are bad or anything like that. I just tell her my truth, and I try to tell her how she can, uh, you know, build relationships with men who are genuine, so... But as far as my father, I just want him to know that he hurt my feelings. And I wish that you would have kept your word. And even though you didn't, I wish you would have acknowledged that you didn't. And just say, just, uh, I apologize. Right. Only if you meant it, you know. that That's all I feel like I would look for is the acknowledgement that you were wrong. Yeah. In my eyes.
1: How much of a how much of that story fuels your success, right? Because some of it frustrates, some of it fuels. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said, because you're you you, you you're honest with your feelings, but sometimes people mask it so much and they're so anxious to be successful, to prove somebody else wrong, they're not even enjoying the journey mm-hmm. of success. Right. From what I see, I think you're actually enjoying at least some of that journey. Um, but how much of it, at any point, was it, I'm going to prove somebody wrong, or was it always, this is what I need to do for me and my daughter, really?
2: Yeah. I never had it to where I wanted to prove anybody else wrong. Mm. It was more so of me, it was more so my daughter. Mm. I just felt like I had a struggle with not being where I, I wish I could have been while she was younger. Yeah. And then now that she's older, I'm able to do so so many more things um, that I wasn't able to do when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. So my motivation was always her. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to have the money and the time to support her the way I want to. So it was never that I wanted to prove anything to my father or my mom or Mm -hmm. anybody in my family or in in the community. It was more so I wanted to, I guess, prove something to my, my daughter that even though I've made some mistakes, I can really still be a good mom right. to you. Right. So that was my my big motivation. Yeah. Are you your why now? Um, I am. I feel like I am part of my why. Um because I look at myself as like younger Cleo, and I feel like I was hard on myself back then. Um, because since I had a daughter early, I felt like I needed to know it all. And I clearly didn't know a whole lot. I'm still learning, (laughs) you know. But um, I feel like I am my why because I know I want to continue to be an example, not just to my daughter, but to my nieces and nephews. My older sister, she has five kids. And I know they look up to me and, you know, they'll ask me questions about money or ask me questions about this. And it does feel good that they value in me to ask me questions, you know? So I think it's more so of like the next generation. Myself is the why, but also being the person I feel like I need to be to support them. Yeah.
1: Well, Cleo, I I appreciate you uh, giving us a peek into your story, uh, opening up. Um, I do want to end it on the happiest note possible. So let's go back to how people can find you and what you're offering, um, kind of your cadence on content. And, um, if somebody wants to book you. I mean, I know she's in demand. I do, <laughs> I do have insight on that. So I'm glad she made time for us today. Uh, but, but, but seriously, thank you. For, thank you for sharing your story. I think it, I, I know it will help somebody probably unlock some things that I mean, you got to own what you feel about the situation, even though you were in control of it. Mm-hmm. Clearly you still made, um, not only the best of your situation, you took yourself, you created another situation for yourself in a lifestyle that uh you and, you know, your daughter and, and many onlookers can be proud of. But mm-hmm. tell the people where they can find where they can find you and what they'll find when they land on your page or your content.
2: Yes, thank you. I'm I really appreciate this conversation. I just wanna say that. Sure. So I definitely needed this because I never talk about the fatherhood topic, my experience with my father. So this was amazing. Exclusive. Right, exclusive, 100%. But they can find me at CleoYogaFinance.com. I'm on Clio Yoga Finance on all social media platforms. But my website is CleoYogaFinance.com. And my podcast, Financially Free with Cleo, that is on my Yoga Finance YouTube page. Um, and, of course, it's on all the podcasting platforms. Uh, so I would just love for you guys to take a look, take a listen at yes. the podcast. Let me know your thoughts about it. And of course, as far as content, I'm always talking about the mindset around money. Um, have money yoga classes. So I do mix yoga and finance because I'm not just about the financial education. You have to tap into the mental and the physical part too. Because sure. if you're always in pain and you're always stressed and feeling overwhelmed, it's hard to really focus on... Getting your financial life together. So, we have to incorporate the self care and the money mindset. So, just tap into me, Cleo Yoga Finance.
1: Absolutely. And when you get to her YouTube page, if you don't start dancing when the video comes on, something's wrong <laughs> with you, right? All right. Um, guys, I got stuff on my website. There's some Podcast, You can buy stuff. You can click buttons to donate, help push this thing. As you'll notice, the production value is going up because this is going to be a worldwide platform to help men see themselves differently and other men differently, right? And we want to have these conversations and make sure that we are supportive to the women that birth us and the women that uh, surround us with love every day. Uh, That's all I got. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.